This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Unnecessary roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's unnecessary roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown, Raiders. Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. And here we are, Raider Nation, back in the home studios. Unnecessary Roughness in your ear hole for the next couple hours. My man, Demond Cotton, your boy, Q. 2 to 4 p.m. We're going to hold it down and then pass the sticks on to Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy in the huddle. Just found out already. This is a nice little news flash, and I think this will be something good and a nice blessing for your ears. Coming up on In the Huddle at 4.15 with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy. How about rookie Malcolm Kuntz? How about that? What did he get, seven snaps on Sunday? Seven defensive snaps and a sack? But that sack was in the first snap, though, wasn't it? That's what I'm saying. Like, that's a pretty good That's a pretty good, uh, That's a a pretty pretty good. good little number right there. You get in there and you make things happen immediately. Immediately. He said, I don't know how many snaps I'm going to get. Haven't had any snaps all season long. I'm going to make the best of it. And that's what I say all the time on this show, regardless of what I talk about, what subject it is. When you get in the game, regardless of what level you're on, you make the best of it. If it's two minutes, damn it, make it the best two minutes of your life. I remember on Friday we had people coming in like, oh, players that they would want to see. You know, it's, oh, the team's a little stagnant. Let's yeah. see what some of these young guys, Koontz, Diablo, and they yep. both got in and they were they were impressive. Yeah. They didn't look like they didn't belong. Right, So exactly. it was one of those like, ah, maybe some, sometimes our fans know what they're talking about. I like Malcolm Koontz. I liked him when they drafted him out of Buffalo. I thought he had a little something-something that he could work with, and now I didn't think he was a, a finished product. And by no means did I think it was Khalil Mack coming out of Buffalo. You know, a lot of people had those immediate comparisons. Oh, Mack came from Buffalo. Koontz is good. No, look, he's his own guy. But the one thing I know about Malcolm Koontz, especially after doing a lot of research and talking to people that, uh, you know, cover the team for a very long time, he knows how to get to the quarterback. If there's one thing he knows how to do, he's not as great as stopping the run. He's not as great as, as some other things. He's got a lot of work to do. But he knows how to get to the quarterback. And it's not just one move. It's not just, oh, I'm going to hit them with the bull rush and think I'm going to get there. In the NFL, that's not always going to work. You've got you to have the fadeaway. You know, you got to have the jumper. you got to be able to take it to the rack. You know what I mean? Like, you got to be able to do all of that, you know? He's got, he's got different, different tools on his tool belt. So that'll be a good listen. I definitely encourage you to make sure you're tuned in at 415 in the huddle. Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy talking with rookie Malcolm Kuntz. So that, that, that'll be fun. I like that. Now. Speaking of rookies, and I don't really think that that has to do with rookies, but uh, myself and Demond, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know, how, I don't know how I got the rookies on transition. That. Yeah, I just don't know how I got the rookies on that, but that's okay. Uh, we were out at the movie premiere last night for National Champions, and I invited some some great Raider Nation listeners to to come out and, and hang out with us, and a few of you did, including my guy Mark. And I uh, just want to appreciate you uh, for showing up, Mark, and, and, and coming out there with the family, and uh, you know, checking out the movie. I enjoyed the movie. I really did, and I'm not I'm not a big movie guy. I'm not a guy that's going to come on here and be like, oh, man, Damon, you know this movie's coming out? Like, that's just not me. A movie to me, a good time, is watching, like, Law & Order SVU or watching something funny. You know what's on, on TV the other day, and I stopped the work I was doing at home just to be able to focus in on it for a couple minutes? Uh, Bad Santa 2. You know what I mean? Like, something stupid, but <laughs> yeah. it's funny. You know what I mean? It's just, so that to me is, like, entertaining. So you'll never get me to come on the radio and say, oh, man, this movie's coming out. I can't wait. Like, you guys were talking movies in the kitchen earlier, and I was like, yeah, whatever. Cinematic masterpiece. Right, yeah. See, <laughs> I, I, I'm, not, I'm not that guy. The art spoke to me. Right. 
I'm not I'm not I'm not that guy. You're not gonna hear that from me. But I I enjoyed what I saw from the movie National Champions. And the thing about it is, Damon is not in the same boat with me. What was your without again, without giving away the plot, what was your just overall take? It was too much they're, they're like exposition in the movies where they're telling you everything. They're just telling you, I am so-and-so, and this is my point. Okay. Where there, there were too much like they were just talking at us at the audience where I was just like, where's this movie going at some point? Okay, where so you just, were just kind of confused. Yeah, because there were some points where it'd be like, who is this guy? And then not enough of like some characters like, what is his motivation for this? Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Again, I enjoyed it. I think the majority of the people that I heard talking to, you know, some of the people that helped put on the movie – uh, when they were interviewing him afterwards, I think for the most part, people enjoyed it. But I did hear a couple people that said, like, I heard one lady say, yeah, it's not for, really for me. That's fair. So I know my man Mark, he enjoyed it. Uh, he he hollered at me after the movie for a little bit and said, man, uh, you know, I, I, I can relate to that movie. So, um, you know, I, I think if you get an opportunity to go check it out, go check it out and let us know what you think. But uh, we had a good time out there. We do appreciate all the people that had us out there. And I will say, well, this is not spoiling the movie at all. The most realistic part was the grad assistants in the movie boarded <laughs> those guys where it was just like, man, these I think it is like that, where you do re-reports of some head coaches and they're just telling you their grind stories and everything they had to do growing, you know, in college, being broke and having to do everything for the head coach. Right. It's like, oh, the movie's pretty spot on about that. <laughs> just like those couple of scenes, it's like, man, that guy's getting chewed out. <laughs> that's how it happens. That's how it happens. You always got an assistant that's going to catch all the hell, right? Well, it happened. But anyway, uh, I do appreciate everyone who came out and hung out with us. Uh, I, I had a really good time. I uh, got to check out a movie, and it's very rare that I ever go to the movies. Uh, but go, being able to go out there, host the event as well, uh, kind of put on for the station, put on for the show. Uh, Damon was out there assisting me. And I'll tell you this, the one thing you missed out on, I'll spoil this. I have no problem spoiling this for you. The one thing you missed out on if you didn't come out there was all those damn prizes that we gave out. I have hosted so many movie premieres. Throughout the course of my career, and I've hosted a ton of them. I mean, we used to do these almost every other week back when I was at uh, Q97 in Fresno. And I'll tell you what, man. I have never given out prizes like we gave out yesterday. I'll let you tell him. He's not kidding. Because, you know, I, I'm assistant Q. Like, I'm, and he was like, oh, people are only going to get mad at the person who picks out the tickets. <laughs> so I'm picking out the tickets. And Q's like, hey, next up, we're giving away uh, a $200 Visa card. And like and, and like I'm for me that was the main prize. Right. I think mean, man shoot should have had a plan in the audience. Man, right? <laughs> so we did. We gave out gift cards to Raising Canes. We gave out gift cards to GameStop, to Buffalo Wild Wings. I mean, one Cabela's. I mean, whatever your flavor was, I have a pretty good idea it was in that. I can't even think of the ticketing company, but there was even like $100 off. Oh, StubHub. StubHub. Yep. Yeah, so people, And the lady who won it didn't even know what the hell it was. What's StubHub? We're like, oh, you can go get tickets. What What kind of ticket? It's like, man, you can you always, choose. You can always give it back. <laughs> give it to me. I'll put it to use. You know, that's $100 down payment. Right. On something. Something. So anyway, it, it was a lot of fun. And again, we appreciate everyone that had us out there and appreciate everyone who came out. Uh, multiple people talked to me after the, the movie th and said that they appreciated us uh, having them out there as well. So uh, that was a lot of fun. So uh, here we are today. Uh, again, if you have a chance to go check out that movie, I suggest you go check it out and then give us your review on it and see what you think. Uh, coming up on the show today, we have some good guests that I, I plan on getting to and I'm very excited to get to, including Rob Collins from Fox Channel 4 in Kansas City. He's going to give us a, a preview of the Kansas City Chiefs as we look on Wednesday. We normally do this on Wednesdays. I'm very routine. On Wednesdays, we turn the page. 
We had Monday and Tuesday to be and moan about what they saw, what everyone saw on Sunday at Allegiant Stadium. Now I'm closing the door on that. Now we're looking forward. Now it's all going to week 14. Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead. Second matchup in a matter of a few weeks. Will it look different than the first one that was at Allegiant Stadium, or will it be very similar? Well, we'll find out. But Rob Collins from Fox Channel 4 in Kansas City will give us a preview of what he's seeing from the team, what he's seeing while they're on this win streak that they're on, uh, what he heard from Andy Reid today at the media session following practice, just all the rundown, all things Kansas City Chiefs will come up at 2.30. At 3 o'clock, our good friend Mike Sando from The Athletic, he'll join the show to talk about this piece that he put out on all 32 GMs across the NFL. And I know right now, as soon as you hear the GMs, you're thinking, "Uh uh-oh, Q's trying to stir it up. No, no, not at all. And nobody else is either. Mike's not trying to stir it up either. He just ranked the GMs. And he ranked them based off a formula and also based off how long they've been with the teams and where they all rank in. So, of course, Mike Mayock is involved in that. Of course, every GM across the league is involved in that. So we'll kind of scatter shoot through that piece that he put out on The Athletic and also just really pick his brain as far as structure, front offices, because there's certain teams and front offices across the league that I have a lot of respect for that I think they just do it right. They figure it out. For me personally, I think the Baltimore Ravens probably have the best front office in the league. But that's just me. That's me. That's just my personal opinion. Meaning it doesn't have to be yours. <laughs> Meaning you can, you can believe any team in the league has the best front office. I just think that the Baltimore Ravens, they have a certain formula. They stick to it. They go out and get their players. When a guy, you know, just like what? When the Raiders had Kelechi Semele, where'd he come from? Baltimore. He was a free agent. They said, hey, you know what? He's going to want some big money. We think that we have some more talent coming down the pipeline. We could allow him to move on. We could allow him to sign for, as a free agent somewhere else and get a comp pick. And we have another guy that's just as talented, if not more talented, coming down the pipeline. There, teams like that, that that can allow a guy to walk and not miss a beat, those are the teams. Baltimore, they went and got Orlando Brown out of Oklahoma. Had him at playing right tackle. He was a big left tackle at Oklahoma. Didn't do well at the combine. Oh, he can't play. He can't play in the league. Fell all the way to the third round. What did he do for them? Oh, he just kicked ass. And that's the best way I could put it. He kicked ass for them. And then what did they do? They flipped him, traded him to the Kansas City Chiefs. And guess what? He really hasn't done a whole lot for Kansas City once they flipped him. But Baltimore knew what they were doing with him. The Patriots, we talk about them all the time. They're sitting there in first place. All their players that they go and draft, they don't all pan out, but they all have that same mold. They all have, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is the game plan. This is how we're going to approach it. And this is how we're going to execute it. And more times than not, it works. Look at the free agents. They went out and spent a whole bunch of money on free agency this year, right? And people clowned them. And, and people clowned them, including oh, myself. On, on two tight ends, that much money? Two combined? tight ends and Nelly? On Nelly? Well, Trent Brown? Oh, you want him back? Go ahead, have him. He ain't worth the salt. He'll be injured half the season. Well, but for those games when he's playing. He looked like I hopped the other night because he was handing out pancakes. <laughs> You like that one? Huh? I did, I did, <laughs> I did. It was like that first big run of the game. That I forget right. the running back who had it, but if you see like who opened that up, because they were going to that six offensive lineman jumbo set, but you right. see the offense like the one who got it popping. Right, it was Trent Brown. Right. There's just certain organizations that get it and they figure things out. So we'll, I really am interested in talking to Mike and just kind of picking his brains and seeing where he's at as far as organizations and how they structure things. Because honestly. Everyone who calls this station, everyone who listens to this show or JT's show or the morning tailgate or Vinny Bonsignor in the huddle, anyone who listens to this goes to Allegiant Stadium, goes to the game, dons the silver and black. Everyone wants the Raiders to be back. 
Everyone wants the Raiders to get in a good place. It starts in the front office. And this is not me talking bad about the front office. I'm just saying consistency. Mark Davis tried to bring in consistency when he brought in Gruden. Gruden tried to bring in his guy when he brought in Mayock. They tried to form the structure so, hey, we can have a front office that will thrive. Not one year, not two years, but like LeBron was talking in Miami. Five, six, seven. I mean, that, they wanted to have that longevity, that consistency. Well, it just didn't work out. So how are other organizations structured so that it does work out? What is it that is making the big difference? I had a nice little conversation going on. Not really a conversation. I use that word conversation loosely. It was really like a text message exchange on a little app that uh, a bunch of us, you know, Raider, Raider conversation, Raider fans have on this app. And we were talking about, well, if Aaron Rodgers played for the Raiders, he wouldn't have won a ring. Or if Derek Carr was in Green Bay, he would have won a couple rings. Or, you know, it's just what ifs, what if scenarios. And that's what happens in December when your team's not winning, right? Mm-hmm. There are always are the what if conversation. And I said, well, I just, I can't, I can't confirm any of that. I can't say that Rodgers would have won a ring if the Raiders had drafted him instead of Fabian Washington. I can't say that Derek Carr would have won a ring somewhere else because we just don't know because we haven't seen it. So I don't really like to dip into the what-if game too much. But basically, the conversation was based around organizational structure. And that's a great point. Organizational structure will give you an opportunity to thrive. Some guys only last in the league two or three years because the organization they went to was so bad that it washes them out. So basically this conversation and, and the guy that was, was, uh, you know, was presenting this basically argument kind of without it being an argument. I hate to use argument because it definitely wasn't that either. Um, my guy, most known unknown, he's in Philly. And so he threw, he threw a couple teams names out there and those teams names have better structure, consistency, stability, and so that's why he believes that, hey, this, this can be, this could have been successful if it was within the walls of this structure. So how does a team like the Raiders find that? How do they get there? First, I think I've been, I've been like just looking at records and, and quarterbacks that are comparable to Derek Carr. And first off, the AFC West is just a hard division. Because who I, I was looking at Kirk Cousins, and I'm not saying Kirk Cousins is the end-all, be-all, but he would be somebody. I don't think Minnesota fans are calling for his benching the way they are. Carr, and I looked at the right. records. Derek Carr is maybe only like three or four wins behind him. You know, I know QB wins shouldn't be following all on the quarterback. Right. But just saying. But they are. Yeah. Like, Derek Carr is only like four years, four, four games look, behind him look, on wins. We but have, I'm just saying, but yeah. it's just like that. People yeah. aren't saying, no, right. y'all bench Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins, it, it, he's awful. He's garbage. But I feel like Derek Carr, it's, I'll I feel tell you like what. you become like the Derek People Carr People in defender. Minnesota are saying that. <laughs> People in Minnesota are like, yeah, Kirk Cousins ain't all that. Can't wait till he gets out of here with that big old fat contract. Exactly. But I feel like if you if we was just like, open up the phone lines, right. Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, who would you rather? We'd get nothing but, yeah, I'd probably take Kirk Cousins. Cause Derek, no, yeah. yeah. We, we, we would get that because the Raiders don't have that. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it's like, well, you're doing the what if game. Right. Sometimes the what if, it right. ain't better than what you got. Exactly. Exactly. I say that all the time. Sometimes, you know, it, it, you could go and do the what if, and you could think that, hey, this would always be better in this scenario, and it doesn't always shake out that way. So that's that's an interesting conversation. But, you know, we had, before the season ever started, I went on and got on my soapbox about the whole Matt Stafford, Derek Carr. I still don't, I'll go to my grave and tell you that there's not much difference <laughs> between those dudes. I'll tell you that straight up. But yet you look at him in, in L.A., and, and even Vinny will tell you he's the golden child. Just to go to my grave part, that's what makes it so. Yeah, I like, mean, you know what I mean? Because, I mean, they, they, they still in pretty good standing. Like, they, they possibly could win a Super Bowl this year. No, could they? I mean. I mean, I don't, I don't. I mean, maybe they can. I don't see it. I don't think they're the best team in the NFC. Oh, they're not. 
But I mean, it's possible. Somebody slips up. I mean, yeah. Banana peel here or there. Well, yeah. You never know. I just, I, I've never been impressed by Stafford. I'm still not impressed by Stafford. And I think if you switch Derek Carr and Matt Stafford to put them in a similar situation, they'd be very similar to who they are right now. I think they're just who they are. Yeah, Cooper Cup's having like, oh, nobody's, he's on track for the, these numbers. And I don't think it's Stafford that's getting him these numbers. Or it's just, oh, Cooper Cup's looking so good. Because you, every time you see like the play calling, when they want to go to this telestrator, like whatever show you're watching, right? and it's always, look at how Sean McVay drew this up to where this guy's wide open. right? I don't think that's Stafford. That's Because those same people that are wide open with Stafford, they were wide open with golf. I, yeah, I just, I just like I said, I've never been a firm believer in, in Matt Stafford. I know some people will you know, pound the table and say that he's, like I said, the next coming of Christ. But I just, I'm not that guy. I don't think that. But Mike Sando, we'll talk to him at 3 o'clock from The Athletic, get his thoughts on front offices, GMs, all that, structures of teams. Because that's, to me, that's interesting conversation. That's fun, interesting conversation. We'll do that at 3 o'clock. 3.30, our guest lineup will round out with Paloma Villacana from Fox 5. She joins us each and every week. We missed her last week because she was traveling with UNLV. But UNLV is in action tonight. Got another hoop game. We'll talk about, first of all, we'll talk about the wrap-up of the, of, the, of the football season. They lost one of their big-time players, one of their big-time defensive players, uh, hit the transfer portal last week, and now today verbally committed to Michigan State. Think about that. Before I go on any further, Damon, because you are a proud UNLV guy, you had a player on your team that a team like Michigan State wanted so badly that they, I mean, they rolled out the red carpet and got him. Sure did. Think about that. Think of, You had a Michigan State-type talent right there at UNLV and was only able to get a couple wins out of it. I know it's only one player, but think about that. I mean, no, no, you say that, but I feel proud about it. To be honest, I was watching his highlight tape of the season, and it was just like, man, look at Jacoby. He good, ain't he? And then, you know, like, because then I was thinking, I made the, I'm already making the next leap in my head. What if he goes to the league? I'm going to claim him. He a UNLV kid, if you ask me. I mean, he is. Yeah. He is. Now he's going to go play with Mel Tucker. Mel Tucker at Michigan State. I mean, that's a big deal. And he had a ton of offers. He had a ton of offers. So, I mean, that's the thing about it. There was talent. Obviously, UNLV had a lot of talent because that's a guy that just hit the transfer portal last week and already committed to Michigan State. He has got some, He had Indiana wanting him really badly. Penn State. Texas wanted him really bad. Penn State. How, how about a defender coming from Penn State? That's a big deal. If Penn State wants you and you play defense, that's a big deal. I'm just saying. Yeah, I know. So Marcus we'll, Arroyo, it's on you. We'll talk to Paloma coming up at 3.30. <laughs> All things UNLV Athletics, but we'll start with football. We'll wrap it up with basketballs there in action later on this evening. Now, uh, I did have a show topic that I, I wanted to throw out there, as I do each and every day. And also, the Raiders uh, have released their injury report for Wednesday. Of course, we'll get one tomorrow. We'll get one Friday. And then on Sunday, about 90 minutes before kickoff, we'll get the official who's in and who's out. So I'll go over the injury report in just a second. But I do want to throw out this show question. And you can hit us up at 702-365-9200 and also... We got the Sam and Ash text line, 69187, keyword r and I'll let you think about it before you respond. As soon as I give you the topic, then I'll go over the injury report. We are in the month of December. The Raiders are 0-1 in December. Of course, they still have a handful of games. Five games left to go. My podcast today I was talking about is an audition for everybody. The rest of the way, the rest of the year, everybody is auditioning for their job. Everyone who's not named Mark Davis is auditioning for their jobs right now, in my opinion. In my humble opinion, everybody is auditioning for their jobs. Like we talked about Malcolm Koontz. He got in, had seven snaps, and got a sack. You know what? It's a damn good audition. That's a damn good audition. It's like going into the game as a rookie baseball player and you're hitting a home run your first game. Not bad, Rook. You know? Trayvon Merrick 
had an opportunity to seal the deal on Sunday. Dropped the ball. I like You know I like him a lot. I think he's going to be a damn good player. He's going to make a lot of plays. That's not a good audition tape. That's bad audition tape. Now, I do believe that guys like Leatherwood, Merrig, Koontz, cats like that, they're going to be on the team next year. I mean, they're rookies. It would be really strange to see them not be there. But they're still auditioning for potentially who the next head coach could be to let them know what they could do, potentially the next GM, potentially the next defensive coordinator. I mean, there's a lot that every one of these guys, when they hit the field, they should be playing for. They should be playing for. That doesn't mean they are. It means they should. Last season, what happened around this time of year, you started hearing John Gruden talk about, there's a lot of guys in the, in the training room. A lot of guys, instead of being on the practice field, they're in the, they're in the tub. You can't get a dub in the tub, right? You ain't going to win if you, if, if, if you ain't out there practicing and you ain't out there playing. You win games based off what you do Monday through Saturday. You go out and execute it on Sunday, but what you do during the practice week, work week, taking care of your body, and, and like, like, like Lester Hayes says, train your body and train your brain. What you're doing then when you're training your body and your brain, that's how you win games. It's just like us here on this show. It ain't about what we do between 2 and 4. It's what we do between 8 a.m., and 145, when we're working on the show, when we're reaching out to people, when we're preparing for the show, and you can tell a bad pr- preparation person and a good one, we ain't never going to be that bad preparation team. We won't. I promise you that. The day we do is the day we turn our mics off permanently. I promise you. But you can see the guy that walks in at 155 and just turns on the mic and think he could do a show. That ain't me. It's about the work. You got to put the work in to get the to get the reward. So we'll see. We'll start to see who's out there really working their tail off, preparing themselves, and also auditioning for whoever it could be for everybody. Right now, man, if I'm walking by Mark Davis in the hallways at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, I'm saying hello a little bit different. I got a little <laughs> bit more pep in my step. I might call him Mr. Davis today. Hey, Mr. Davis, how you doing? <laughs> I mean, hey, man, I'm not saying kiss his ass, but at some point, man, you gotta you gotta leave an impression, right? Just ask him about the EA. You see that play I made the other day? <laughs> man, I made sure I didn't park next to your car, Mr. Davis. You know, just let me go- get that for you. Yeah, just goofing a little bit, but uh, <laughs> but you get the point, man. Like everybody <laughs> is on notice. They gotta be. It's the last month of the season. What are you gonna do? Are you gonna stand out? Are you gonna take a step back and blend in with the crowd? Because the ones that blend in with the crowd ain't gonna get, ain't gonna go nowhere. They're gonna be in trouble. You gotta stand out and separate yourself. And in a good way. <laughs> Don't be the guy that separates himself in a bad way. Oh, he ain't worth a damn. Don't be that guy. If you're that guy, then you know you're in trouble. That that was what Trent Brown was last year, right? Trent Brown separated himself to the point where he's like, I quit on this team. I I fully believe, I know that he had the situation with the trainings. I know he had the situation with the IV, which is nothing to make a joke about. Because that could have literally killed him. But you could tell there was a certain point Trent Brown just, I'm done. And just checked out. It happens. It happens. So Greatest qu- underdog didn't give up, though. He, gave, he, he, he quit. He quit. Your boy get, quit. He absolutely quit on the team. No doubt Rose about it. Rose from the ashes in, <laughs> okay. in New England again. Yeah, okay. You quit on him. Yeah, fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that. I have no problem with that. So, who, in your opinion, is this last month most important for? I don't need 10 people. I don't need a laundry list of people. I just need who you feel this last of the season 
is most important for? Who has the most to gain? And really, who has the most to lose if they don't step their game up? 702-365-9200. Salmon has text line 69187. Keyword R&R. We got someone up real quick. Real quick, let's get in Aaron in Vegas. All right, let's get Aaron in Vegas here real quick, and we'll take a break. Aaron, what's on your mind, my man? Q, what's up, my man? Chilling, brother. Man, uh, I wind up saving my money and getting that six deuce. Uh, I'm glad <laughs> I did. I'm glad I saved my money. Um, as far as you was, I was just listening to the show. You were talking about practice. I've been hearing that for the last three weeks. How good a practice they had and all this, but I haven't seen that on Sunday. You know, don't get me wrong. I'm the biggest Raider fan you will ever meet in your life, but I'm worried about this weekend okay. in Kansas City. Okay. Um, I just wanted to ask you. I don't know if I've ever heard you make a, a score prediction on the air. I want to ask you what you what do you think the final score is going to be of that game? Um, good question, my man. Thank you for the call. Appreciate you. Um, oh man, that's hard. That's hard. I usually don't give score predictions. I usually say if I think a team's going to win or lose, and I'll say I think a team will win by three points or seven points, or it's going to be a blowout. Uh, I think the Raiders lose by ten. I think it'll be twenty four fourteen. How about that? I think the Raiders are going to lose 24-14. I think Kansas City's defense is playing a lot better, and their offense is good enough. We all know they have an explosive offense, but it hasn't been exploding as of late. But I just find it hard to believe that the Raiders are going to go to Kansas City, which means that they're probably going to go and win. Just like I didn't think they were going to go to Dallas and win. I didn't. have no problem saying that. thought they were going to lose that game, and they went and won. I'll tell you what. How about this? And then we'll go to take a break and get to Rob Collins from Fox Channel 4 and KC. If the Raiders win this game on Sunday against Kansas City, and that's a big if in my opinion, they're going to score 30 points. That's what they're going to do if they win this game. It ain't going to be no 17-15. They're going to win. If they win this game, which, again, I do not believe they will, it's going to have to, they're going to have to put up 30 points. And I just think Kansas City's defense is playing better than that at this time. So sit on those questions that I asked. The question that I asked, who is this last month most important for? You can hit up the Sam and Ash text line at 69187, keyword r But don't call in just yet because coming up next, we got Rob Collins from Fox Channel 4 in Kansas City. He's going to give us a rundown, a breakdown. Why is Kansas City's defense looking good? What is wrong with Kansas City's offense? We'll do all that next on Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness. The judge, Lester Hayes, joining us now. That's why, Q, of course, our team kept winning. Kept winning, Q, because of our training. You got to put in the work and the time and the perseverance and the patience to train your body and train your brain. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. 2.30 is the time here on Unnecessary Roughness. Raider Nation Radio 920. Pleased to have on the phone lines Rob Collins from Fox Channel 4 in Kansas City. You can find him on Twitter at RCFox4, the number 4KC. And Rob, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. It is Raiders Week in Kansas City this time. Uh, Arrowhead Stadium. The Kansas City Chiefs came to Las Vegas a few weeks ago and picked up a victory and currently right now we're on a five-game winning streak. What to you has been the biggest reason for this win streak and is it sustainable? I believe it's the defense. Uh, obviously it's sustainable. Defense travels, we know that. We've seen that by watching games in the NFL and over that five-game win streak, the Chiefs defense has only given up an average of 11.2 points a game. It's certainly not the offense, my man. They haven't scored 22 points since week six one time. They only did it once and that was against the Raiders, 41 right. points. So that defense is sustainable, and I think the offense will come around at some point. 
and so does everybody in Chiefs Kingdom. What about Steve Spagnola, defensive coordinator? What has he done to get that defense to be playing the way that they are, the level they're playing? Is or is it just a matter of getting some guys back that might not have been there or healthy? Yeah, a little of both. I think obviously a health is a big factor when you have a Frank Clark and Chris Jones healthy and moving Chris Jones back to the inside. That whole thing at defensive end it was a mistake from the jump, and I'm surprised it took them that long to figure it out. And the new linebackers, Willie Gay and Nick Bolton, they're playing very well. But Spags has got those guys believing, along with the Honey Badger, that they're really kind of finding their mojo here in the last couple of weeks. So healthy and then putting the guys in the right spots. They could rotate a lot of guys, as you guys have seen. They can have two or three waves coming in, kind of like a hockey ship, especially when they go in the nickel. So there are plenty of guys who can handle what Steve Spagnuolo wants him to do with the ultimate chess piece there with the Honey Badger. You know, and Daniel Sorensen, he was a guy who was basically <laughs> labeled the weak link. You know, he picked up an yeah. interception here in Las Vegas, though, against the Raiders. And uh, then all of a sudden he has a big play last week against the Broncos, a 75-yard pick six. Uh, what what has been the, the biggest reason for his turnaround, or is it just he's been in the right place at the right time? It's weird because he usually does this in an AFC West game at night in a primetime game. You go back, he did it to Phillip Rivers in Mexico City. You remember that? And he had a pick against uh, the Raiders in that previous game. So, I don't know, Dan Sorensen, he's one of those guys who doesn't talk much. He just puts his nose to the grindstone and goes to work. But what a turnaround for him, man. People earlier in the season in Kansas City were asking for him to get gone in a hurry, maybe uh, take a victory lap and get out of town. But <laughs> last game for him, man, it, it was great. He went from p- punching bag to protagonist in one play. Talking right now with Rob Collins from Fox Channel 4 in Kansas City here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And uh, Andy Reid, I saw him today. He has said that uh, he remembers when the Raiders came to Arrowhead Stadium mm-hmm. last season, picked up the victory, and he said the players are aware of that. Uh, how much is that talked about there in Kansas City? Yeah, you know, with Coach Reed, he's pretty vanilla at the mic. And, and if you glean from what he said, he remembers, obviously, that they lost. But he remembers that victory lap from the former Coach Gruden. He's not going to say it out loud. Patrick Mahone's not going to say it, but... I guarantee you in the locker room, folks are reminding each other of what happened the last time Raiders came to Arrowhead Stadium. Interesting. It's so funny because I remember that being a big subject of conversation even here, and I kept thinking, like, it wasn't that serious. I mean, you know, but uh, I guess it's it's still something, maybe a motivational thing (laughs) for the players. How do you think the fans are going to embrace the Raiders when they get there? Because last year it was only a handful of fans there at Arrowhead. Yeah, same way they traditionally do with a lot of words that we can't say on TV or on radio, man. You know how it is in this rivalry. There's the true hatred there, and it's a fun hatred. You know, it's not – there may be a fight. I don't know. But, you know, people <laughs> just generally don't like each other in the fan bases, and that's what makes this rivalry in the AFC West so great, especially with the Raiders. It's awesome. It, it, it is, and it's funny, though, because, I mean, the rivalry is not really a rivalry if one team doesn't live up to their end of the bargain. You know what I mean? And, and, and the Chiefs are 14-3 and three under Andy Reid against the Raiders right now. So, I mean, the rivalry is very one-sided, and so mm-hmm. I, I feel like maybe it's not as big a deal as it, it used to be when it was, you know, a lot more, okay, the Raiders are going to win now, the Chiefs are going to win. It was a lot more back and forth. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it may have lost a little luster in the win column, as you talked about, because Patrick Mahomes is 6-1 and one against the Raiders, and I believe Derek Carr is 3-12 and 12 against the Chiefs, and you mentioned Reed's record against the Raiders. It, there hasn't been a whole lot of punching back from the Raiders since uh, last year when they won in Arrowhead Stadium, but it's still fun to talk about, man. You know, <laughs> Twitter loves it the most. It doesn't matter if you haven't won in 100 years. Twitter, there are folks on Twitter saying, this is going to be the one. This is going to be the one. So it's just great. It's great 
to have those games like that still in the NFL. No, it, it really is. And again, we're talking with Rob Collins from Fox Channel 4 in Kansas City here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. Now, Patrick Mahomes, uh, he hasn't had a, a Patrick Mahomes MVP-type season, more turnovers than he'd, he'd usually have. What has been mm-hmm. what has been his biggest issue? Well, I think a lot of it have been drops. I mean, Mahomes has taken the onus for the drops, which he does. He's a team player. He's a quarterback. He's the guy who makes the most money, right? That's a guy who should take the blame for that. But let's face it, man, his receivers have dropped probably half of those interceptions or half of those drops have turned into interceptions that he has on the season. So these, I don't know what's going on. These guys can't catch a ball. It's crazy to see Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey miss balls that are right between their hands. So that's part of it. And I think, honestly, Mahomes is dealing with the fact that he can't throw the ball down the field. You know, that old meme effort Tyreek down there somewhere, you know. He's a game manager right now, you know, and, and that's a good thing for him. And it's a good thing that the defense is playing so well that allows him to do that. So he's kind of shifting from that old gunslinger, you know, like he had to do in college and like he had to do in the first couple of years here with Kansas City because the defense was so bad. So he's trying to find the check down. And, you know, the routes are different. You're throwing – it's easy for Patrick Mahomes to wing at 50 yards, right? But to hit a ball in traffic five, six, seven yards, I think he's just kind of getting used to that being more of the game plan rather than just launching it. But you're right. It's definitely not the season that we're accustomed to seeing from Patrick Mahomes. I mean, his quarterback rating has been bad. In fact, in the last eight games, he's only been over 91 one time. Wow. And that, of course, was the Raider game when he went for 405 touchdowns. Right, no doubt, and a big-time victory. But look, hey, Kansas City's got a five-game winning streak that they're working on right now. Again, we're talking with Rob Collins from Fox Channel 4 KC uh, here on Raider Nation Radio 920. My man, Damon Cotton, he's got a question for you. Yeah, Rob, after that victory against the Raiders, I was in the, the press conference room for the Chiefs, and they were all saying, we watched this video, and it's like, we got to get our swagger back. And they were saying, like, oh, they feel like they have their swagger back. But the offense hasn't been grooving as well since that win. But what about that Raiders? What about this Raiders team makes the Kansas City look so good? I just think that they have a problem guarding everybody. You know, when you have injuries on defense or when your offense is like you guys have an injury with Waller, he's day to day, right? We don't know if he's going to play. Obviously, mm-hmm. you're missing some key points on your offense. So that puts a little bit more pressure on the defense. And I think sometimes defenses tend to press. And if you press against Patrick Mahomes or pressure him, we know how good he is against pressure. So he'll find the mismatch. And of late, he hasn't been getting the ball there on time. But like I said, I think there's a breakout game coming for Patrick Mahomes. And especially the Chiefs lately have got the screen game going a lot more, if you've noticed, in the Andy Reid play calling. So Clyde Edwards and Lair and gotten out of the backfield a lot. And they're using Darrell Williams more in the screen game. And that's pretty hard to defend. you got to pick your poison, man. Who are you going to stop? you got to stop the guys out of the backfield or – stop the deep threats uh, with Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey inside the seam. For whatever reason, it seems like Patrick Mahomes is able to pick up the defense there pretty well. Yeah, one of the things, and uh, another one of our great hosts here on the show, uh, on the station, uh, JT the Brick, he said earlier this week that he felt like the Chiefs really try to target and go after Jonathan Abram a lot. Uh, they mm-hmm. just they feel like that matchup is one, and, and teams do that, Rob. They find matchups, like yep. you mentioned, that they can exploit. Is that one that you're seeing as well that, hey, that, that's a mismatch right there? They look for 24 on the field. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, it's Bill Belichick in, right? He finds that one mismatch and just beats it like, you know, the old saying, like a dead horse, man. And we saw that in the run game, three passes from right. New England the other night, and you won the game. That's just crazy. And honestly, I think if the Chiefs and New England meet wherever in the playoffs, if they meet, that's going to be the game plan against the Chiefs, you know, the weakness. So 
they can keep Patrick Mahomes off the field. But I do look for Patrick Mahomes to try to exploit that and for Andy Reid to call a few more deep shots. But we'll see if it works, man. It's just weird. The guy's got to catch the ball. It's fluky. I don't, it's just hard to explain all these fluky drops or tips that result into picks and incompletions, man. It's, you know, like when you're playing blackjack and you got eights and you're splitting them against the dealer six and then the dealer rolls up that four underneath and then a king and then you're like, what What just happened? <laughs> but that's, what, that's the only way I can explain all these drops, man. I know <laughs> it all too well. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> I love it. I love it. We're talking right now with Rob Collins from Fox Channel 4 and KC. That was a great one. That was a great breakdown right there. We just got a couple more questions for you. The offensive line, I wanted to make sure to address that. That's something that was reconstructed in the offseason. The last mm-hmm. time the Raiders played it wasn't quite where it wanted to be. These guys were still trying to gel. They were getting some guys back from, from you know, injury. Where is that right. offensive line now? Are they getting closer to a, a finished product? They're getting closer. Lucas Niang is back at practice today. So the right side of the offensive line has kind of been in flux all year long. The left side has been fantastic with Orlando Brown and Tooney. And then, of course, the center, Creed Humphrey. Orlando Brown's still trying to figure out how to pass block because he didn't really have to do that a whole lot with Lamar Jackson there in Baltimore, but uh, Tooney and Creed Humphrey, I mean, you've seen Creed Humphrey. That yep. dude is amazing. I mean, heck, he may even get some Pro Bowl votes. But that left side is solid. It's the right side that they're still kind of tinkering with and, and trying to figure out and to get back whole. And that may also be a part of the issue of why the offense is stalling a bit. But I think if the Chiefs' offensive line gets healthy, I mean, I, I have to believe with all the talent they have with the receivers and Patrick Mahomes that they're going to click. And unfortunately for Raider Nation, it might be Sunday. Right. No, it very well could be. And at home, it would not surprise me at all. Now, Rob, if there was one area, especially of this, this Chiefs defense that is playing a lot better and a reason why they're winning all these games, if there was one area of weakness that they still have that maybe the Raiders can exploit if they get, get cooking a little bit, what would it be? Yeah, I think it's a run game. I think Josh Jacobs is the key for the Raiders on Sunday. If you go back and watch the Denver game, uh, Javante Williams, man, he had, what, 100 yards rushing, about 72, 75 yards receiving. Chiefs really couldn't stop them until they got to the goal line. They had a 20-play drive that resulted in zero points. Mm. Have you ever seen that? No, no. <laughs> 11 minutes, zero wow, points. that's amazing. Crazy, man. I know. I was up in the press box watching this, and I was thinking to myself, man, this drive's lasting longer than some Kardashian marriages. What is going on here? <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> all right. I like it. That was fantastic, and that makes all the sense in the world, and they didn't score any points. That was incredible. Well, Rob, uh, I, oh, I got to ask you one more question before you go, and it yes, has sir. nothing to do with the Chiefs, has nothing to do with the Raiders. Tiger Woods announced that he's coming back. He's going to be playing with his son, Charlie. Uh, He's not going to play in very many tournaments. We know that. We know the horrific car accident he got into. But how Uh exciting is that to see Tiger going to be back out there and out there with his son? Dude, that is straight fire. I'm so excited. Tiger Woods, my favorite golfer. I'm a huge golfer. I cannot wait to see what he did, especially when he came back and won the Masters. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but there must have been allergies in my room when I was watching that because yes. that was fantastic TV. And I, everybody, I think, obviously, everybody knows the transgressions that Tiger Woods has gone through, but everybody, I think, roots for Tiger Woods on some level or another, and it's fantastic, and I can't wait to watch. 
he and his son Charlie go out there and play golf. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah, it is. I got my red polo out there for Tiger. I always do. <laughs> I always have the red polo. You know, everyone's got to have one in their collection, Rob. I know you could uh, appreciate that. Well, fantastic stuff. Again, that's Rob Collins from Fox Channel 4 and KC on Twitter at RCFox4, the number 4 KC. You got anything coming out that May Raider fans could check in and check out on just to get a little bit more of an update on the Kansas City Chiefs? Yeah, we have our uh, weekly Chiefs show. It's called KC End Zone, where we'll be talking about the Raiders a uh, lot. And you can uh, actually watch that online at fox4kc.com. That airs on Sunday mornings at 8.30. We'll dissect the game, go in more of the injuries you're talking about, the problems with the Chiefs, the rivalry, you know, the hated Raiders, the autumn wind, and all that stuff. We'll get all that fired up for folks who uh, want to check it, and you can watch it online uh, right there. And, you know, I'm thinking of maybe going by your boy R, but it just doesn't have the, the same ring to it as your boy Q. <laughs> That's your boy right. Boy Q sounds solid. That sounds like a guy you want to hang out and have a drink with. Your boy R just sounds like a guy who, you know, missed a flight or is a third wheel somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> Hey, you can be my third wheel anytime, man. We can have a drink and you can be the third wheel. It's all good. Hey, I appreciate you, Rob. Fantastic stuff. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, you bet. You guys have a good good week, and uh, hopefully we'll have a good game on Sunday and a lot to talk about. Thank Absolutely. You for having me on. Yes, appreciate sir. You. Yep, appreciate you. We'll talk to you soon. There he is, Rob Collins. Fantastic. Fantastic right there from Fox Channel 4 in Kansas City. Again, on Twitter at RCFox4KC, and that's the number 4KC. Fantastic breakdown. Loved having Rob on. Uh, very entertaining. Good dude right there. Uh, so if you want to know anything else about Kansas City, I think he just broke it all the way down. That's a lot of good stuff, so we definitely appreciate him. 2.44 is the time. We'll come back, close out our number one. This is how we get the thing rolling around here. This Unnecessary Roughness. Radio Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Again, big ups to Rob Collins from Fox Channel 4 in Kansas City. Fantastic interview, breakdown of the Kansas City Chiefs. Next opponent up on the schedule for the Silver and Black. We turned the page officially from what you saw on Sunday at Allegiant Stadium to what you're going to see, what you should see this upcoming Sunday in Kansas City at Arrowhead Stadium. Many thanks to Rob Collins. We'll be posting that interview if you missed it, lvsportsnetwork.com. Of course, it'll be podcasted. The whole show will be podcasted. You can find it under Unnecessary Roughness wherever you get all your favorite podcasts from. You can find it there. Had a question I threw out there. Uh, who is this last month of the season most important for? And I know that technically there's a, a week in January. They have a game that's played in January, but I'm just considering it the last month. That's just basically what it is. We all know that it's, you know, d- d- the last quarter of the season is being played right now. So who is this last month most important for? Got a, uh, a, a couple texts that I wanted to go ahead and pass along real quick, and then we'll hit the, hit the Raider Nation listener line. Um, how about this one? Greg Olson needs to show his ass this month. Depending on how he does in December, and dare I say some miracle January, not only could he cement his position as a bona fide offensive coordinator, but as a head coach. I'll say this. I don't think Greg Olson has any kind of head coaching. Um, like, I don't think it's in, his, in the cards for him to be a head coach this season. I think if he goes out there and, and dials up an awesome game plan and the Raiders start really cooking on offense and uh, get off to some hot starts and, and basically do the opposite of what they've been doing the last couple of games, I think that, yeah, he could be solidifying himself as an offensive coordinator. I don't think that right now he'll be in the wave of head coaches, potential head coaches for the upcoming uh, you know, offseason and the coaching carousel. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. You never know. Uh, we got a text from Geese Mode. Sup, Q? Sup, Damon? This month is most important for Mayock. 
We have great talent in the building, a solid coaching staff. We have great fans in Raider Nation. But can the GM get his Raiders to put it all on the line and show some pride when it's all said and done? That's what I'm, that's what I'm getting the popcorn ready for. I don't know about you, but my eye test about the Raiders over the years is that we're best when our backs are against the wall and counted out by just about everyone. Let's go and get this week against the Chiefs. Raiders. That's from Geese Thank you so much for that. I do appreciate you. Now let's go out to the Raider Nation listener line real quick at 702-365-9200 and talk to our guy, Passionate Raider. What's on your mind, my man? What's up, Q? What's up, DeMond? Okay, so answer your question. You already know where I'm going to go with this, man, but... But I was thinking about something today, Q, and when I, when I told you that, I was thinking about this. What if the Raiders switch it up, start Marcus Mariota for the first two series or the first, first quarter? And my reason of this is we all know Derek is a more talented quarterback, more, at, more better arm, all of that. But what we can't seem to figure out is the consistency. How can you keep doing in and out, in and out, in and out? So Rich Gannon was on today. I listened to Rich Gannon's okay. interview. And he, he gave a lot of good insight today on the Raiders. And he's a Derek Carr man. And Rich, is, Rich has been my life growing up. I was young when the Raiders, I, you know, I'm, I'm an 80s baby. So 89, 90, 91, never was winning. My winning era was with Rich Gannon. Right. So Rich Gannon has always been one of my favorite Raider players. And to hear him say that made me go back and think again, like, okay, Okay, maybe we need to do get a more powerful running back. Maybe a lot of the teams in the NFL right now that are winning do have a good running game, and that we don't have. So maybe they were trying to substitute the run. We know what was going on. But this, this, and the reason why I said to start Marcus for the first quarter or the first series, because maybe that's really going to make Derek sit over there and think, because we know how prideful of a, of, a, of a man he is, and this is his team. If he has to sit over there and watch, and watch and see Marcus, and maybe that team would come out and roll or go down and score. Maybe that would light a fire under his you-know-what to get it cracking because nobody wants to see another quarter. That's why he won't step away. Nobody wants to let anyone – no one wants to let you – I don't want to let no one use my fishing poles. I don't care if you're my best friend. You ain't touching them. you got to get your own. That's just how it is. And, and, and maybe that's how Derek is, man. But then today in the press conference – he blows my mind again with some of the things he's saying. And then I go back to yesterday when you asked about what was the one question you would ask him. And I said, you, what are you seeing on the field? You told me back about that. Like that. No, no. What are you seeing on the field? Because what he said today in his presser, it makes you nauseous, man. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. Thank you so much for that. I appreciate you. And look, um, I heard Lincoln Kennedy yesterday, and I know a lot of people did. A lot of people chimed in on what Lincoln was saying in the huddle uh, with Vinny Bonsignor. It's fantastic. And it kind of goes to your point, Passionate Raider, is that, uh, you know, if if they were to start Marcus, and like you said, Derek is prideful. Who is it? Like like you. I, I don't want I don't want to come off the bench. Hell, I'm a starter. I don't want to come off the bench no more. I came off the bench for years. I'm not that guy anymore, you know? I want to be the guy. So if you see someone taking your spot or getting a start, hey, this is just part of the game plan, it does kind of get you, you know, and, and and Lincoln made a great point yesterday when he said when Mariota came in in week 15 last year against the Chargers and almost won that game, really should have won that game, didn't, but should have won that game, Derek came out the next week and balled out, balled out. This year, when they lost to Cincinnati and all of a sudden the press conference were asking him questions about why he didn't do this, why he didn't do that, why wasn't the offense clicking, how come this, and he got all frustrated and said, well, you can say whatever you want to say, 
What did he do the next week? He came out and balled out. So maybe he's one of those guys, and I can appreciate that. I say all the time, I tell you guys about my red polo. I'm that guy. When I get angry about something, I want to do like, like Geese Mode said or, or one of our texters said and show, show my ass a little bit. Prove a point. Come out and be like, you know what? I'll show you. Maybe Derek, maybe he needs something. to not. I don't want to say taken away, but maybe he needs something where it feels like, hey, this isn't right. This isn't what I want, and go out there and ball. Maybe he does need that. When Lincoln said that yesterday, it was like me playing triple-double diamond. It went dink, 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 and I was the winner because it made sense. It wasn't like he was just he was like slandering the quarterback. He was saying sometimes he needs a little something to kind of push him to the next step, to the next level. Maybe that's – I'm not mad at that. That's a damn good one. Passionate Raider, thank you so much for that call. I do appreciate you. 2.56 at the time when we come back. We're already going to kick into hour number two of the show. It's incredible how fast this show goes by. Mike Sando from The Athletic, he'll join us to talk all things NFL GMs as he's rated all 32 of them. He had a nice article he put out in The Athletic. We'll talk about it. We'll break it down. We'll do it all next here on Raider Nation Radio 920.